podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Love Tennis Podlet. It's the end of day four at Wimbledon. I always say to people who are struggling to get through Wimbledon, this is as far as you need to get. Once you get past the first four days, everything else is easy. Half the matches have been played. Uh, almost all of our energy is gone. I'm James Gray of inews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. I've got Calvin Beton, our resident tennis coach, uh, with us tonight. We could have had George Belshaw as well, but I saw how much wine he brought with him to centre court today, and I didn't think he'd be much use by 10 to 11 at night. Uh, so we're going to go through what happened at Wimbledon today. We'll also talk a bit about what's going on tomorrow, and we'll get Calvin's thoughts on on his experiences of being in the bubble. And I used to say in the bubble because, you know, that's kind of what you call tournaments, but now it has a whole different meaning. So um, we'll get Calvin's views from the inside anyway. Um, I mean, Calvin, you obviously were, were there with Henry and, and they went out first round with uh, with Julian Cash, which is disappointing. But your, your experiences being back at Wimbledon, I mean, did it feel different because there were just more people there this year? Yeah, it was totally different from last year. Um, mm. We could walk round last year. We couldn't walk... <laughs> We couldn't walk and watch any tennis. That was the yeah. weird thing. They've never been a tennis tournament where watching tennis was banned. Mm. Um, you couldn't watch any tennis last year. So, um, yeah, it was just back to normal, wasn't it, this year? And was it, I mean, I assume that made it a much more enjoyable experience. But when you've obviously got the pressures of preparing for a match and, and everything that you go through, are you able to enjoy it? Um, you watch very little tennis. That that's the thing. What stands out? There, I, I only thought today that I didn't. I didn't actually go and watch any of them. After just saying that about last year, we couldn't watch anything. This year, I, I the only matches I watched, I watched Paul Jobs' match against Nick Kyrgios from the balcony where yeah. the restaurant was. But you actually don't get time to just go around and watch tennis, mm. um, especially with the doubles, because I don't know if everyone knows, but in doubles, it, it's more difficult to get practice because obviously singles gets priority. So you, you get one hour a day when you're allowed to practice, but yeah. if you're not playing that day, you want you want at least another hour. Mm. So you're then you then can't you can't book anything before about lunchtime on the day of when you want to train. Mm. So you're then basically around lunchtime you're trying to find out if anyone else wants to practice and if you can get a court and trying to jump on and you're basically looking the courts at Wimbledon close at seven PM, the practice courts, and singles players tend to want to practice until about five five thirty so you're basically hunting for the six till seven slot so it all becomes actually quite a busy day of sort of horse trading basically yeah and then you know you get things where with doubles pairs where you ask one player if they want to train and if they want to play practice set or something and they say they will but they'll ask their partner and then their partner's been asked by somebody else at the same time so it becomes a bit of a bit of a lottery mm. um and in terms of Henry, because you know we the people will have heard Henry and Julian, they were on uh, day two uh, podlet. If you want to go listen to my interview with them, please do. They were they were kind enough to come on and, and really good value for it. Um, I know Julian's been to Wimbledon before. Um, Henry, obviously his first experience. I mean, do you think those kind of experiences help you develop as a player because it, it gives you a little bit of added motivation or you learn something from being there? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I definitely doesn't do any harm. I think mm. you definitely pick things up. Um, I think, as they said on the podcast, that they enjoyed being around the the higher level of player uh, and that kind of thing. They got plenty of good practice in against what well, they got now an hour, an hour and a half, an hour and forty minutes in against the best pair in the world. So, 
um, you don't get that very often. I wasn't aware of this. They were they hitting with Joe and Rajiv? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they um, yeah they played practice set and a bit more against Joe and Rajiv. Um, a few practice drills. So, how do you yeah. think they shaped up against them? Um, there was nothing in it. As I, I don't know what the etiquette is with this. Like I know in boxing, uh, yeah, you're not supposed never to talk about sparring. You, you never talk. To, you never say who won. Do you? It was. It was close. Hmm. It was a good. It's a good session. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll hear more uh, tales of woe and uh, and of course fortune um, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but there's also lots of tennis for us to talk about over the last uh, couple of hours. Uh, overall. A a pretty good day for Brits at Wimbledon. I think everyone will agree uh, as we're going to go through. The, f- the first bit of good news came on centre. Katie Bolter came back from a set down to Karolina Pliskova. 3-6-7-6-6-4 she won. Her second ever win against a top 10 player uh, after her first ever win a week ago against Karolina Pliskova at Eastbourne. Um, it, she's a university... Well, I don't know about university, but she's as popular a player as I know uh, in British tennis with fans, you know, because she made a decent breakthrough. She's obviously a great looking girl. You know, we say that often about Jack Draper, that it helps he's a good looking guy. It helps her image in the same way. People know who she is. And now she's starting to back it up with, with grass court results, Calvin, which gives you a big cachet. You know, if you if you want to do well at one Grand Slam in Britain with fans, it's Wimbledon, isn't it? Yeah, um, and... You know, the thing with Katie, she's a, just a really nice girl as well, which I think mm. comes across. Um, I think that helps. The fans know that. They start to get a feeling for that. And there's not really any question about her ability. Um, uh, you know, the question marks with Katie are always whether her body holds up from one tournament to the next mm. and during the tournament, um, which hopefully it does. Mm. Um, we'll see, I guess, over the next couple of weeks and then we'll see over the next few months as well. Mm. Um, I, I watched well pretty much every ball of the first two sets of this match. What what surprised me, Calvin, was that she certainly in the early stages, and, and to be fair, it didn't really pay off. Was willing to kind of go toe to toe with Pliskova from the baseline, which I kind of looked at that and thought, well, surely this this is not going to end well because you know she's a top ten player with top ten power. I mean, it, it is actually the reality that Bolter can compete with that kind of power. Yeah, I, I actually didn't watch loads of match. I just watched the highlights just now. I was driving home from Wimbledon when they played. Mm. But um, that's the thing, though. With, with, I mean, Katie's got... She's a good ball striker. She hits a big ball. She has a decent first serve. And I think a lot of the players look at Pliskova and think once you take the serve out of it, she can hit hard. But not she's not Naomi Osaka hitting hard. Mm. So they think there's not a lot else there. She She moves very poorly doesn't move great at all and she doesn't have much feel or anything so you get the serving i think katie and a lot of other players fancy their chances off off the baseline against pliskova Hmm. Uh, well it paid off by the end because she did as i say come through in three sets it was a a fabulous finish it it was also nice she she did her encore interview she thanked a lot of her family were there and she mentioned that her grandmother had passed away just two days before winning that match um, and obviously got incredibly emotional and, you know, credit to her for sort of standing up and getting out there and, and still, you know, playing and playing so well and not letting it affect her. She's through to the third round of a Grand Slam for the very first time at the age of 25. She will play Harmony Tan, the conqueror of Serena Williams, who beat Sarah Cerebus Tormo. 
how many times was the talk of the town today, and not just for her tennis. She pulled out of her doubles on Wednesday. She was due to play with Tamara Korpach, the German player. Uh, she pulled out at an hour's notice with a thigh injury. Uh, to, to say Korpach was not happy is a bit of an understatement. She posted on Instagram that she was incredibly angry and sad. She said, if you play for three hours and then can't play doubles the next day, you're not a professional. Um, she said it was discourteous of her to have left her waiting into, on court, in fact, until an hour before the match. Uh, she then apologised for those comments today and deleted them and said she wanted people to stop being horrible to Harmony. And then posted after Harmony Tan won... Great that you've recovered so quickly from your thigh injury onto round three. Uh, I mean, Cowan, this this does happen quite a lot, doesn't it? I mean, that players, you know, go a bit deeper in the singles than they're expecting, and then and then pull out a doubles at the last minute. Yeah, it's a problem. Uh, I don't really know what what the way around it is, to be honest. And it's like when I was actually having this conversation with somebody yesterday, we were talking about singles players coming and playing doubles, and they were saying it'd be great if more singles players would play doubles but I was saying it all that it ends up doing is it messes the draw up because mm. they're either going to not try in the first place and lose or they're going to go out or they're going to go out early they could go out early in the doubles in which case what's the point in that or they're going to not go out early keep winning and they will pull out like you're not going to get the best players in the world and not going to keep playing doubles right through the tournament not in best of not in best of five. It does not happen in the five. women's game. Yeah, in best of yeah, three. it does. It does that in the women's game. To be fair, yeah. Mm. Um, um, is it? I mean, I had this suggested to me because it's also happened with Nick Kyrgios has pulled out of the doubles with Tanasi Kokanakis. You know, the a Grand Slam champion winning a Grand Slam winning pair. Uh, Kyrgios, after he got through to the third round, then binned off the doubles, saying his body wouldn't be able to take it. I mean. It, Someone said to me, someone who a general sports reporter who doesn't do tennis, particularly said, "Oh, can they not just replace the player?" I mean, I appreciate that's not currently allowed, but is it not? Would it? You would be able to see some holes in this, I'm sure. Would it not be possible to change the rules and say you can alternate a player into your team? Yeah, I've always thought that that's a, a harsh rule because it's sometimes the players that there's there's no reason why not, and when you're into alternates. It's not like a team. The way that it works now with the t with the teams at the bottom end of getting in the draw, the teams are always changing at the last minute anyway. So mm. it's not like you're getting set pairs. I guess you could just say the next highest ranked player goes in with that player if they want to, and if mm. that player doesn't want to play it, they pull out. I, I don't. I don't get why. Why is Kyrgios even playing the? He said he wasn't going to play doubles at Wimbledon, didn't he? Initially, when they won the Australian Open, mm. well, said he wasn't going to do it. And yeah. He counts himself as the the best grass court player in the world. So did he not think he'd be winning two rounds at this uh, tournament? Yeah, I don't really understand as well because I know for a fact there are lots of players who wanted to play with Tanasi Kokonakis because they kind of foresaw this situation. I know there are a lot... There are, I mean, for example, Zhang Shui actually texted Tanasi and said, you know, would you like to play mixed? Because I think we'd be a really great pair. Now, obviously, like Nick Kyrgios hasn't taken up Kokonakis' mixed spot there, but... I think he said that he didn't want to play mixed and doubles and uh, singles because, you know, Kokonakis had his own injury history and didn't think his body could take it. If Nick had said, I don't want to play doubles because, you know, I'm going to make the third round, then 
yeah, maybe he wouldn't have done. I think it's a, sh- a real shame for him. Like he's out of the singles because he got Djokovic in the second round, and that happens. And he he's a genuinely good doubles player. He's got big serves, got big forehand. Like I know he's not orthodox, but he he could have done some damage, made some money, and okay, not picked up any ranking points, but he would have done decently, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's won a Grand Slam. Mm. You don't, and you know that's that was it. Curios who won that Grand Slam by himself. Although I'm sure he think. Um, it, it was, you know, Kokonakis. I actually watched them play the other day because they played the guys who Henry and Julian played um, in Miami this year, and I watched that match back. Kokonakis can play, seriously play doubles. He can seriously play singles as well, to be fair. Mm. Uh, yeah, just one of those weird stories that was going around today. Who knew that uh, Harmony Tan would be such a big news story in so many different ways? I, I must say, I don't really like the pulling out for, and you know, there, there's no injury. Obviously, it's just pulled out because she's still in singles. I don't like that. You should. The tournaments have to be firmer with that. Mm. It, you can't just be pulling out. If you pull out of one, you've got to pull out both. Yeah. I, I, it's it, and then suddenly you'd find that they've got some energy to play it. Mm. But then you would get, well, the tournaments might say, well, then you're going to get like players just turning up and walking around the court for an hour so that they can lose. When you could get an alternate pair in who would provide more entertainment for the fans. Yeah, but I mean, once the tournament started. Mm. Or have they not played a match yet? Is no, they haven't. Saying? Yeah, it's pre-first right, yeah. round. Yeah, then that's where that's where what we're saying. I don't like um, that, that one player can't just come in as an mm. alternate. Yeah. Anyway, the politics of doubles, eh? Who'd who'd be a tournament director? Um, more good success for Brits today as well, out on court number three. Uh, I was watching a couple of different bits of this match. Liam Brody beating Diego Schwartzman 6-2, 4-6, love 6, 7-6, 6-1. Came back from two sets to one down. He was a breakdown in the fourth as well. For the second time in the tournament, Brody's told me, uh, he decided that he was probably going home uh, and then he pulled it back to a tiebreak. Um, I mean, you said you watched the tiebreak, Calvin. It it was a good one and it was probably the highest level of the match. It was probably one of the few points in the match where I thought they were both playing pretty well. Yeah, I, I was driving home and then I kept... Um, I was receiving texts off a few mates with the scores and then somebody said that Brodus had gone into a tiebreak so I pulled into the nearest services. Um, and watched it, and it was it was a really good standard tie break, some really good baseline hitting. Um, I think Broads thought he'd won it already. There was a weird shot where Schwartzman had hit one that looked like it was going about a meter long, and Broads started walking to the the chair, and then the ball just <laughs> dipped and hit the line. Um, and then Broads Broads um, he challenged the call, and then immediately told Schwartzman that it was in. <laughs> which is just it's always that classic one I think and I've seen Federer do this and it worked once that you just you know it's in but you just hope that Hawkeye's got it wrong yeah um, and um, <laughs> he just immediately I think Schwartzman asked him and Bros immediately put his, his palm down to go yeah it was in um, <laughs> but, um, but then he came back that's can often be a heartbreaker that and then he came back and, and won the set from there and mm. I didn't see the fifth set but it looks like he tore away with it yeah, well, I watched the first and last sets, which were the, the two that Bros really dominated. And what was amazing about, certainly the first set, is his forehand. I mean, he just just, just peppered the baseline. Like, just I, I've never seen someone hit such consistent length. Like, it wasn't that it was massive. It was just that Schwarzman couldn't get anything going because he was always having to pick it up off his toes, basically, or drop miles behind the baseline. And while he is natural for doing that, I was just really impressed. Like, I don't think I've seen... His four Liam Brody's forehand looked like that before. 
Yeah, he's he's had some issues with his forehand over the years. Um, seems to have got over the worst of that now. Um, mm. Still a bit scratchy at times, I think. I think you know he knows that, but he, he's managed it manages it really well, and he just competes so well. Mm. That's the thing with Broads. He, he's such a competitor. Two five setters in uh, in three days now, and I have to say he didn't look tired at the end of it. I mean, I know adrenaline's a wonderful thing. Maybe a third match would be hard work, but I mean, he's a fit guy. He's a really fit guy. It's funny because just after he finished, I was talking with Luke, who's really good mates with Broads. Obviously, we were saying it, and I guess it's the same for a lot of these players, but especially someone's in Broads' position. At what point does the elation? How long after does the elation of having done it? Does it hit you? You're getting no ranking points for this, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then then the, I can't imagine there's any anything that would have such elation leading to such anger in no time. Yeah, I mean, he was asked this exact question afterwards. I, I think it was in his first question actually, and he he you know he kind of laughed it off, and he was like, "Look, I'm still 120 grand, and I'm still in the third round of Wimbledon, which is you know a lot of things and." He's also losing, I think, 45 points from last year as well. So he's, yeah. going to, he's actually going to drop down to like 130 in the world after Wimbledon, which is probably going to feel a bit weird. But he he sort of, he talked quite well about how like he's always ending up on the wrong side of ranking points. Like he was playing a challenger in Phoenix and he beat Goffan and Rindeknecht. And like there were guys playing challenge, you know, smaller tournaments elsewhere in the world, getting more points for beating worse players. And... He also made a good point about qualies, like Grand Slam qualies. You only get 25 points if you qualify through in the th- for the third round of qualies in Grand Slam. But there are always challengers that week, and you could go and win a challenger or win three matches at a challenger and get more points, which, yeah, you know. Yeah, quali- I always find that weird. 25 points for winning for qualifying for a slam is ludicrous. Hmm. That's the same as winning. It's the same as winning a 25K, obviously. And the difference in standard is phenomenal yeah. from that, from... From winning a 25k to winning three matches to qualify for a slam, it's it, apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very strange. Um, but you know, he's he's old enough and ugly enough these days that you know he can kind of he can wear it. You know, he, and he said as much. And he said, you know, I never thought I'd make top 100, so I'm not really worried about eventually doing it. I never thought I'd win a challenger. By the time I won one, I wasn't that bothered about it because I'd sort of taken that out of my um. Yeah, he he yeah. says now in very management speak. He often says, like, "Oh, I'm so process driven," which you know, <laughs> yeah. I know is a phrase you hate, Calvin. Yeah, it's a, a nonsense. <laughs> the players all know it's a nonsense as well. Like, yeah, they, they, they don't. If you're all process driven, then you wouldn't get pissed off when you're losing points. You'd go, you'd you'd go, yeah, quite good. You know, I'm following the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. Let's move on. I mean, brilliant for Broads. As I say, uh, it was really great to watch and it was great to be out on the court three. He's got Alex de Manure in the next round uh, who beat Jack Draper in four sets. A decent run for Jack. To obviously, glad to get to the second round, but he will have fancied beating de Manure, um, especially after winning the first set and having opportunities to win the second as well. But he lost the tiebreak 7-love and then only won five more games. Uh, the, uh, the roof shut. There was a rain delay. Don't think that helped him either, but... Um, it's obviously the same for both players. How, how do you think Broads shapes up against Alex de Manor, Calvin? I, I think that's not a bad matchup for him. It's a good matchup, I think. Um, de Manor actually played really well tonight. I watched the majority of that match. Um, 
when I got home after I swore on the way home, I said, I didn't think I spoke to a mate. I said, I don't think I'm going to watch any tennis for the next week. So I've had about two days off in five weeks. So I don't want to, <laughs> yesterday was pretty disappointing. So I said, I don't want to see any Wimbledon. I got in and watched about three hours of tennis. Um, <laughs> so, um, he was, yeah, I was, he, he, he played well, Dimonor. Um, but I think Broads matches up with him a bit better than, than Jack does to be mm. fair. Yeah. Yeah, you. I, I would think so as well, actually, because I was just wondering, you know, if, if someone like Dimonor, if he's going to start running Draper down, you know, what's he got? What's he going to do? Um, Broads is used to that, I think. Yeah. Might might be a bit. And you know what? I mean, I don't want to, like, get ahead of myself here, but Liam Brody's section is... He, the winner of Dimonor Brody plays either Christian Garin or Jensen Brooksby. Yeah. I mean, you'd fancy the win. Yeah. You'd absolutely fancy either of them against that. So, and then they'll yeah. get either Kyrgios or Sitsipas. But, um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting little, uh, little set of, uh, matches in that particular section. Uh, another British result from today to mention Alistair Gray, uh, losing to Taylor Fritz. Alistair Gray had a lot of opportunities in that match. He was a break up in each of the first two sets. Um, probably the, the one takeaway moment was he, made a nice volley at the net an angled forehand volley you know cross court and uh on the run and he continued his run you know towards the crowd just giving it a quiet little fist pump forgetting to check if the ball had bounced twice it hadn't taylor fritz threw himself at the ball knocked it over the net and won the point while alistair gray was still fist pumping to his box um, oh. <laughs> to win the second set as well. Yeah. <laughs> not not a great moment, but I'm sure yeah. he'll be getting some uh, some stick for that for the next couple of weeks. Um, Heather Watson, incidentally, through to the third round as well. She beat um, Wang Zhang, 7-5-6-4. Great result for her. She's, um, she has played, by the way, Heather Watson. She's going to play again tomorrow because that was a hangover match. She's going to have played singles on each of the first five days of the championships. Wow. But, yeah. Because she had a hangover match Monday to Tuesday and then Wednesday to Thursday and now she's playing singles again on Friday. I wonder if anyone's ever done that. Um, I have asked the question of the uh, All England librarian who's a fascinating individual um, and he's yet to come back to me, which I'm quite pleased about because I might have stumped him, uh, which would be quite something. Uh, the thing I is, guess, that- I guess the only way it could have happened is if some of the days when the rain was just terrible before. Yeah. Um, but... We have not, re- although we've had rain, I don't think any of Heather's matches have been interrupted by rain, have they? It's just lace, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Right. Kind of a combination of the two, um, to be perfectly honest. But yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, it would be, it would be, it would be amazing if we get her onto six days, but she's first on number one tomorrow. And obviously, right. number one has a roof, so it's virtually impossible. Unless she plays like a nine hour match. Yeah. Um, which. Uh, against Kaya Juvan or really anyone seems incredibly unlikely yeah. and it wouldn't wouldn't be much of a spectacle no. <laughs> anyway uh, let's move on uh, other big results to kind of um, note today I mean Rafa Nadal beat Ricardus Barankis in four sets uh, not perfect from Nadal was certainly rusty uh, but got through Koko Goff smashed um, Mihaela Bozanescu 6-2-6-3 Sefano Sitsipas threw in straight sets uh, Iga Strontek dropped a set which is noteworthy but um, she certainly came back well uh, and played brilliantly in the third set. So I don't know whether to read much into Leslie Patinama-Kokova's um, picking up of the second set there. 
Uh, Nick Kyrgios threw in straight sets as well. Uh, a, another belter of a press conference from Nick Kyrgios in which he sat there and said, I've given you nothing to write about. You'll have to write about my tennis. Um, and was then really kind of mouthy for the next 10 minutes. So we all wrote about that. Um, well, I mean, I didn't write about Kyrgios today, but I can only assume that everyone else did. Uh, he said, and I know you'll like this comment, Calvin, half of you to disagree with it. Uh, he said, I know what I bring to the sport. One of the most important people in the sport. Do you want to speak about that? Um, Calvin, most, one of the most important people in the sport? It's like somebody who's sitting on the bench at Barnsley claiming he's one of the most important footballers in the world. <laughs> like, unless you're... How can you be the one of the most important people in the sport and you're never around in the second week of a slam? Yeah, well, exactly. Never, never... Yeah, you gotta be. In order to be one of the most important people in the sport, you've got to be winning multiple slams. Mm. I mean, I'll say this: I, he was in the restaurant at the same time as me today. He had a really nice pair of trainers on. <laughs> That's. Um, I was tempted to ask him where he got them because I know my trainers a bit, and I'd not seen those before. Um, <laughs> and um, but no, I thought no, I'd just rather not speak to him. <laughs> you weren't going to give him the satisfaction. No. They're probably his. Uh, they, were they not like his his brand? His no, they were Jordan. For anyone who knows trainers, they were Jordan One Lows, okay. and uh, they were an intro. They kind of a, a burgundy and white color, right. and I'd not seen them around. Mm. Well, if you can source some Jordan One Lows in a burgundy, then uh, Calvin is definitely going to give you some money. <laughs> um, yes, as you say, Calvin, he's not been to the second week of Grand Slam for seven years. That could change, but he's going to have to beat Stefanos Tsitsipas in the third round, which is going to be an absolute belter of a match on Saturday. Um, we'll maybe talk more about that tomorrow night because uh, we need to preview tomorrow. The, there's lo There was so much tennis going on today that I could probably talk about today forever, um, but we do need to move on. Um, Maxime Cressy, by the way, is in trouble. He is two sets down. Uh, to Jack Sock and that match is hanging over into Friday because of a late finish. I just need to check that he is in fact two sets down because that was the case when I left Wimbledon today and I did indeed have to leave early because I had to come to um, the office in Kensington and do some quite tedious paperwork. Yes, he is still two sets down to Jack Sock um, but he is someone I know a lot of listeners have been interested um, in keeping up with because they think that he might do some damage on the grass and in fact in fairness, he already is. Let's look ahead to tomorrow. Um, apologies if I missed out your favourite player. Hopefully you already know their result. Uh, and this is a podlet after all, and it's already longer than they're supposed to be. Um, Centre court tomorrow, Diane Parry up against Ons Jabour. Novak Djokovic, Maimir Kekmanovic and Cam Norrie against Steve Johnson. I wanted to talk about Cam Norrie, Calvin, because I, I kind of I was doing a bit of a draw analysis piece for the paper today. And I think Cam Norrie is going to make a Wimbledon semi-final because his draw is just insane. In his quarter, there are only three seeded players left. He is one of them. Tommy Paul is another one. And Francis TFO is the third. And then you've got Umber, Goffin, Bublik, John, Steve Johnson, who is Cam Norrie's opponent tomorrow, and Yiri Vesely. I mean, you'd back Cam Norrie to go extremely close with any of them, wouldn't you? Yeah, I can see a a world in which he does come through that and he's one of the favourites, but there are some players in there who could do damage on their day, mm. I think. Bublik's not one who you want to come across um, deeper into the tournament when he's got some matches under him, although he's absolutely nuts as well, so <laughs> never know what can happen there. Do you not um, think that Cam is the kind of guy, you know, to take Bublik, for example, Cam isn't Cam the exact player Bublik doesn't want to play? I'd say... 
that would be the case on both ways, though. Mm. I don't think either of them would necessarily enjoy playing that type of player. Mm. Um, because from Cam's point of view, he can make a lot of balls. Um, he's going to chase, but doesn't do huge amounts of damage off the ground. So Bublik's going to get a hit on it, and he can he can just blow you away. Mm. Um, uh, Humbert, although he's had a terrible year, is winning, and he's mm. as I've said before, I think he's got a great game for grass. Tiafo has had good results on grass before, mm. but yeah, you'd favour you'd favour Cam to be any of those six times out of ten. Yeah. Um, but but you're effectively tossing a coin three times, and that's yeah. 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 Um, he's got Steve Johnson tomorrow. I mean, Steve Johnson, who dispatched Ryan Peniston and uh, was also on the other side of the net when Gregor Dimitrov retired injured in the first round. I mean, I don't, I don't see Steve Johnson as having a huge amount to trouble Cam. But you know, I mean, he's he's been around a lot and he's been in the third round a lot. I thought Penno would have done uh, a bit better against Steve Johnson, to be fair, because he's a lefty and Steve Johnson's backhand is terrible. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, I thought Penno would have given Penno's form over um, over the grass. I thought he might mm. have given him a bit. But he's not, Steve Johnson's not been in great form either. It's just strange. So, um, in I mean, you would expect the logical thing is that Norrie would Cam will spank win that. him this time. Cam, Cam will win that, yeah. Mm. Um, Novak Djokovic, as I say, up against Maja Kekmanovic, uh, who has had a good year, but uh, I mean, I think we just expect Djokovic has played so well recently. And yeah. th- th- there's not much chance, um, realistically. Uh, and Onzibur, Diane Parry, I think it'll be great to watch. Uh, anyone who doesn't know Diane Parry, she's got a one-handed backhand, and it is uh, a, it's a it's a real one-handed backhand. Like she she really gives it a rip, and it's uh, definitely worth watching. Um, over on court number one, we've got Heather Watson against Kaya Juvan, as I mentioned, uh, Angelique Kerber against Elise Mertens, and Oscar Otter up against Carlos Alcaraz. Um, speaking of Carlos Alcaraz, he is one of the players that you can play as on uh, Matchpoint Tennis Championships, who are, of course, our sponsor for the Wimbledon fortnight, and we're great, very grateful for their support. It's only really thanks to them that we're able to do these podcasts every day. Uh, that's out on the 7th of July on PC, PlayStation 4, 5, and Xbox. It's also going to be on Xbox Game Pass. I have played it a lot. I can genuinely recommend it. I, I wouldn't be doing these ad uh, ads unless I really enjoyed the game, and I, I really did. Uh, it's a, a really immersive tennis sim. That's what they call it, and I would agree with that. You know, you can create your own player and play a load of tournaments, or you can play as... Loads of the licensed players, Casper uh, Ruud, Andre Rublev, Amanda Anasimova, Madison Keys, Nick Kyrgios, uh, Garbinia Muguruza. Uh, and the boxed retail version also has Tommy Haas and Tim Henman, uh, which I think are going to be available as DLC uh, on the digital version. So um, that's uh, something to look forward to as well. You can pre-order the game now. But it'll come on the 7th of July or you can buy it from game on the 7th of July but we're we're going to tell you to pre-order it because that way you're guaranteed to get it in case you forget about it on the 7th of July that's Love uh, Love Tennis sponsored by Matchpoint Tennis Championships um, the Alcaraz matchup Oscar Otter he's a guy who Andy Murray said to me recently he's not as bad as you all thought he was <laughs> because Murray played, went to five sets with him last year I mean, Alcaraz has kind of grown into the grass a little bit, Calvin, hasn't he? But, you know, he's still only won two matches here. Yeah, uh, I think he struggled a bit in the first one, didn't he? Five sets with a Jan Leonard Struff. 
Yeah. Which, you know, that happens. Yeah, Struska Graf can't play. Mm. Um, I didn't see any of his match yesterday. Grip, um, Spory beat, 6-4, uh, 7-6, Yeah, it's a good matchup for him, that Greek Spore. Just similar player and just not as good um, <laughs> yeah, just as much most good. players aren't. Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah. I mean, Oscar Otter, we kind of know a fair bit about him because of that. I- I'll tell you one thing. He's very underplayed because he beat Peter Gajocic 1-2-1 and in the first round. And then Christian Harrison retired four games into their second round match. So he's really, he got to Friday of the first week of a slam and he's barely played. I mean, there must be a certain point at which, Calvin, you, you'd rather have had a little bit more match play than that, wouldn't you? Yeah. But the fact he thinks these legs are fresh, um, I'll take that. Um, mm. I think you'd probably prefer that, if, if anything. Yeah. Um, you'd probably prefer that than, the, than what Broads has been through. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't realise Christian Harrison had retired. It's funny that, isn't it? Because we were talking about um, him the other day. What a good bloke he is. Well, that and his escapades at Nottingham, where he basically did almost the exact same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, seems seems to uh, seems to happen. But as a, I mean, he's played a lot of tennis. In fairness, like he played qualies and he went to five sets in qualies, and then he played Jay Clark in the first round, and that was over two days, and there were two tie breaks. So, you know, <laughs> while yeah. I hate to defend, yeah, I don't know, I hate to defend him. Uh, I, you know, there, there might be more to it than than meets the eye. A um, few other good matches just to pick out tomorrow. Um, uh, Yannick, sorry, Alexander Bublik against Francis Tiafoe. We've just talked about that, but it's first on number two court, so it's eleven a.m. I mean, I can't really think of two, like a more entertaining matchup. Surely, like you would think that that might be two of the the best at what they do. Yeah. That should be a good good one for good outdoor, um, good outside court viewing that, I would mm. think, wouldn't it? Although um, it's a shame, really, because number two court is entirely ticketed now. So, like, yeah. it, it, you know, it's number three, you can queue up. And I, I would recommend maybe queuing up for number three because there are four matches on there, including Jack Sock and Maxine Cressy's, you know, to be finished. Um, I'm just thinking there, like, while we're thinking there about this, talking about players pulling out and that kind of thing, like, I feel like something has to be done at the slams sooner or later with this as to whether like, are, are there too many, is there too much tennis going on? Cause we seem to be getting more and more withdrawals mm. as time goes on. And do we need some rules about, do, do the rules need to be more strict on withdrawing? And if you're going to play singles and doubles, should we allow them to play singles and doubles? It, it doesn't seem sustainable and it seems to be happening more and more. Mm, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, at the lower levels, you absolutely couldn't stop players playing singles and doubles, right? Like, that's, no. you know, that's people yeah. making a living. But uh, there is potentially uh, an argument to be made about, like, rejigging the schedule so that, you know, for example, there's there's no need for there to necessarily be a day break between women's matches, for example. So you could kind of... Yeah weirdly you know backload or front load the schedule so you had more singles matches really early on and then like a run of doubles matches in the middle of the fortnight and i don't know i i like your idea about not letting people playing singles and doubles though because you know i don't know but then you then you say well the singles players are the biggest stars and you want them to play doubles because it creates more opportunities for people to see them play and or you could do it something like if if you do that and you withdraw, you can't do it again for the next year. 
Mm. You can't do it in the next four tournaments. But then, you know, if you're genuinely injured, you, you know... You yeah, don't wanna... but it's, if you're genuinely injured, you can't play it either. Yeah. That, that's, that's my thing. If you're going to pull out the doubles, you have to pull out the singles. I, I think they've got to... Like, I think if you... <laughs> we used to have this rule at... I was at boarding school, right? And the rule was if you were ill one day, you couldn't play sport the next day. Yeah. It's basically to stop people pulling a sickie on like a Friday. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was actually very effective. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing. You surely can't pull out injured of a match, but still be le- you're like eligible to play a match the next day. I mean, that... Because that... Cause I know, I, I know for a fact that 80% of these withdrawals from doubles are when players have won a match at singles and they think, I don't want this affecting my singles run. Yeah. And that's... It's it's hard to determine what they are, but which which eighty percent they are and what the other twenty percent is. Mm. But that's not sustainable. We can't just keep having this. No. Or having players like Christian Harrison pulling out at fall of the second round of a slam for mm. one reason or another. Unless it's unless it's an injury that you've sustained during the tournament, in which case I don't see how you can step on the court anyway, then this seems it just seems to be happening a whole lot. This kind of thing. Mm. Um, Fifteen minutes into his match, Christian Harrison retired. Um, I mean, there's this, he's obviously there's, he's had a lot of injuries in his career, but yeah, I don't know. There's <laughs> I I wouldn't want to specifically pick on him without knowing more about exactly what's happened to him. But um, yes, it doesn't seem sustainable to have lots of players pulling out of doubles. It makes scheduling a nightmare. It makes marketing a nightmare. I'm sure that there were lots of people thinking, oh, I'll maybe buy a ticket for this day because Kyrgios and Kokonakis might be playing doubles this day. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I think tennis, I don't know another sport where people pull out of matches as often as they do in tennis and it affects the viewing of that. Yeah, players get injured in football, but you just replace them with another player. Mm. Yeah. Like at, at any stage, so but you can't do that once you've passed the first round of a tennis tournament. No one doesn't. No one doesn't go and watch United on a Saturday because Ronaldo got ruled out on a Friday. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whereas where that will happen in tennis, man. Like that will yeah. happen in tennis. I'm absolutely sure of it. Very strange indeed. Um, there's so much more we could talk about, but as I say, we're running out of time, and that's why we, they're called podlets. They're supposed to be short. I don't know how short this was, but uh, <laughs> it's, that's the thing. I don't have a Zoom premium account, so we usually get limited, but because there's only two of us, there's no yeah. limit to how long this could go on. Um, as always, please do leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It makes a massive difference to us. Um, do follow us on Twitter, at Love Tennis Pod. Do tell your friends about the Love Tennis Podcast, and most importantly... Come back tomorrow and listen again. Sports Social Podcast Network.